Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Um, if you guys want to have your Bibles open to the book of Galatians, we're going to start a new um, book study. We're going to go through the book of Galatians as a church. One of my favorite books, and before we get into that, I'm going to open up with a little bit of prayer, and then we're going to um, we're going to dig right in. But Lord, what I consider an honor, a privilege, Lord, and a great responsibility to speak Your Word. God, I need Your help. Lord, we need Your help. Holy Spirit, we just pray You would be here. Open up our eyes, open up our minds, and help us see wondrous things in Your Word. Help us to understand what you're saying and how it applies to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the book of Galatians, if you want to go there, we're going to go to chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to start. But before we get in, a little bit of background. Um, This book was written by Paul. It's probably, maybe, most likely, um, the earliest letter he wrote. He wrote a lot of letters to different churches. And, and there is no city. A lot of times when they write a book, like the Corinthians was written to Corinth, there is no Galatia that's a city. It was actually an area in modern-day Turkey. There was at least four or five churches that Paul wrote this letter to. Paul's ministry or how he served God was he would go to the Gentiles, to people that were not Jewish. He spent a lot of time walking, riding, or in boats, sharing the gospel. And when he did that, people would believe in those areas. So he went into Galatia all around, and people believed. Well, what do you call a group of believers? A church. So he was starting churches. He was getting people that that didn't know anything about the gospel to believe in the gospel. And then he would leave and he would go on to different areas. And so this area um, in Galatia was was a Roman province. And there was a lot of, believe it or not, um, historians say there was a big Celtic influence or Celtic influence. So a lot of people that the... The Romans had um, conquered over there in, in Ireland and in, in that area, so that, that there was a big Roman influence, a, a Celtic influence. And um, what happened, and you're going to see it in the book, but what happened was as Paul comes in, he goes to the different towns and cities in that area, groups of believers are formed, and he leaves. Well, what happens um, over and over again is people come in behind him and they started to mess up the way the church thought. And so these are, this is a letter that is trying to help the church kind of get back to basics. So in Galatians 1.1, it starts off, it says, Paul, an apostle. When we write a letter, we put our names on the bottom. Often in the Greek culture, they put it up on the top. So that Paul, an apostle. Not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him of Galatia, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is the introduction. You'll notice that in, in most of Paul's letters, the standard format was he identifies himself, he says he's a, an apostle, he gives a blessing, but he also gives thanks. There was no giving of thanks in this letter. In fact, you're going to read and you're going to pick up as we go through this over the next few weeks that Paul was not very happy. There was something very dangerous going on. These people that he had just shared the gospel with, that had just put their faith in Jesus, were in a very dangerous spot. A few things I do want to point out is he says, number one in verse one, he says, I'm an apostle. That word means someone who is, who is sent for a special ministry. Um, there, there's some debate today about whether we have apostles today or not. And, and I'm going to share what I believe. Paul was an apostle that could write scripture. There's none of those today. All right. But are there people sent to God sends people to groups um, to reach them? Um, so in, in a, the very smallest sense of the word, yes, I think there's there's people sent places today. But this is an apostle that could write scripture that had a level of authority that I don't think people carry today. So, so, so it's a little bit different. But he says it's not from men nor through man. In other words, Paul's calling, it wasn't from a guy or a group of guys. It was from Jesus himself. It goes back to Acts chapter 9, where Paul is a murdering, um, angry person going out to kill Christians. And for whatever reason, the one guy going out to kill and imprison Christians, God said, he's the one I want. He's the one I have a plan for. And, and you, you got to know when God has a plan for you and he will reveal it to you. But Paul's saying, look, God called me to this. this. This is something I have to obey. And some of you in here, like you know that God has called you for a purpose. It may not be this purpose, but... But you know, like I am thing, it wasn't like his, his Bible professor was like, wow, Paul, you would make a great apostle. You should consider that. He didn't have a guidance counselor giving him options. You could be a doctor. You could be an apostle. Hmm, what is that all about? No, this was something that God called him to. And, and, and Paul needed to know that God had called him to it because there was lots of hardships Things he faced physically, beatings, imprisonments. He got stoned one day. Not that kind of stone. The one where they hit you with the rocks. Like, like there was that kind of persecution. He does what God called him to do. He gets people that never knew Jesus to believe in him. He thinks things are good. He goes to continue his ministry. And he comes back and the churches are confused. In some very big ways. And he says that this calling came through Jesus and got through God the Father who raised him from the dead. He also makes the point, like, what I'm about to say, yes, it is, it is from the Lord, the calling is from the Lord, but also, verse 2, he's saying, but everybody who's with me, 
they agree with what I'm about to say. Then he starts in verse three. He says, grace to you and peace. Those are such important words, such important blessings. And they says it's from God, our father. See, there, there's a lot wrapped up in here, and we can sometimes run through the introductions and think they're not important, but the idea that he's saying, from our Father, Paul is making it clear that it's Jesus brought us into the family of God. Jesus is the God's only begotten Son, has made it possible for God to have many sons and daughters if they put their faith and trust in him. Grace is a powerful word. It's one of my favorite words because it's the idea of, 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 of being saved from the penalty of sin. Like, I don't have to be judged for my sins. Jesus already was. But it's not just saving from the penalty of sin. It's, it's saving from the power of sin. It's this idea that I don't have to sin anymore, not on my own strength, but because God has supernaturally done something in me. And, and there's, there's victory to be found in Jesus. And then he says peace. Peace is, is this idea of, of, of absence of conflict, but it's also of being satisfied, being complete. Grace and peace to you today, church. May you have God's favor on you. God. And then he says in verse 4, he, sa he says, who gave himself for our sins. That's why Jesus came, was to give himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father. So when a baby is delivered, it's a little bit... If you've never seen it happen, it's a big deal. It's kind of wild, all right? But when a baby comes out of one area and now they're in a brand new world, it's this idea that, that you're coming out of this world into the promises and the blessing and the kingdom of God. And it says, according to the will. Like, that's God's will. The will of God, our Father. Again, he's saying, our Father, but... But God wants us to be delivered from this age. God wants our sins to be forgiven in Christ. It's like, it's what he desires. It's good that he wants that. And then he says, to whom be the glory forever and ever. So that's the introduction, and he's about to get into the meat. And what we're going to read in these next few verses is really kind of what the rest of the book is about he says, I'm astonished. This isn't a good kind of astonishment. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. Deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Verse 7, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. It's my opinion that the enemy would love for you to know nothing about the gospel. I think that's his first plan. Because he doesn't want you to hear it. He doesn't want you to know it. He doesn't want you to know the wondrous work that Jesus did on the cross. 
But if you hear it by some chance, if God breaks through your ignorance and, and you learn and you see and your heart just says, man, this is what I need. God loves me. What a wonderful message. Well, to come in there and say, all right, I, I can't keep them from hearing it. So let's twist it. Let's bend it. Let's let them miss the mark. And that's what was happening in these group of churches, is there was a group that came in, and they, they were often called the Judaizers. But they came in, and they started to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about what the gospel is. Um, I have one more scripture that's not in Galatians. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to flip over there. This is where Paul, this is again written by Paul, verse 1 of chapter 15. He explains what the gospel is. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you. So this is the gospel he's talking about. This was what was being distorted. It says, which you received and in which you stand and by which you are saved. So this is the gospel that saves you. This is the gospel you need to know. It says, it'll save you if you hold fast the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Again, if the enemy can't keep you from hearing it, he's going to try to distort it in your mind or in your heart. Verse 3, it says, For I delivered to you first of, of first importance what I received. This is it right here. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What he's saying is, and remember, when Paul's talking about scriptures, I'm going to try to do this without messing. This is the Old Testament. Paul's saying that all of that is pointing to Christ. And it's pointing to specifically the work that he does or that he did on the cross. And so Paul is saying, in accordance with the scriptures, Christ died. It was God's plan. Remember, God desires people to know him. Verse 4, in that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then... He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. He was died, he was buried, all according to the scriptures, and then he's alive and appearing and showing himself to people. That's the heart of the Christian message. Everything we believe is really wrapped up in that salvation event. See, Jesus was broken so that we could be made whole. Jesus was sent by God to bring us back to God. Jesus took our sin on himself so that God could show us grace. Jesus died so that we can be alive. Like everything in the Old Testament points to that, the Gospels talk about it, and then everything after the Gospels says, all right, so what? 
so the gospel happened, the gospel's true, so what? How do we live? What does that mean? So what should we do? Paul's saying they've turned to a different gospel. Is it Jesus and something else? Anytime you add something to the gospel, you're taking away from Christ. What was happening in Galatia is they were being convinced and told that they had to follow the whole, okay, fine, you believe in Jesus, that's good, but look at all these other things you got to do. From circumcision to washings and rituals and, and all the other stuff that is in the Old Testament, you have to do that too. And Paul's saying, that's not what I told you. That's not the gospel that saves you. In fact, all of those things from circumcision to washings to all the rituals, they're really just pointing to Jesus. They're trying to let you understand the work that happens. Circumcision, there's no um, magic power in cutting off a little bit of skin, but there is some power in God cutting off some things from your heart. And the gospel comes in there and he cuts the dead parts off and he makes you new. All those washings point to the washing that really happens by the grace of God and through the work of the Spirit in our lives. Don't turn to a different gospel. Now you may say, well, I don't do that. Good. But do you add anything else to Jesus? Is there any Jesus and in your life? You fill in the blank, because if there's anything, stop it. Only one saves, and that's Jesus. In verse 7, he says, not that there is another one of Galatians chapter 1, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Then he says in verse 8, he says, but even if we were an angel of heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, let him be accursed. That's a hard saying. And in fact, there are some people that they literally add on more gospels because it's not how it works. There's only one. And it's Jesus who died for us when we didn't deserve it. Don't let anything else in. In verse 9, he says something, and this is really hard. He says, as I have said before, and I will say again, if anyone is preaching you a gospel contrary to what you've received, let him be accursed. That's a hard saying. But if somebody is distorting the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that God decided to use to save people, the gospel by which we're set free and made whole and can experience all the wonders of God through his son Jesus, and you're distorting that, you're in big trouble. That is a bad thing. Don't be a part of that. Be better to keep your mouth closed than to lead other people into a distortion 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, he says something, and, and man, I, as I was reading this, I was, I was saying, I, I want this to be me. He says, for now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is something we all battle with. Paul was, was way farther down the road than I think any of us are. But there is something inside of us that even if you say you don't, even everybody would hate, it's not me. Nobody wakes up in the day and says, man, I just wish everybody would hate me this morning. I just want people giving me nasty looks and being unfair. And Mike, except for Mike, and Mike is the only one. He's accepted his lot in life. No, I'm just kidding. But most of us, we don't, we don't wake up and think, man, I, I just want people to be upset with me. I want them to be bitter, and, and I want them to like post like passive-aggressive things on Facebook about me. I want people talking about me. No, we don't want that. But we can't please people if we're wanting to please God. And there's so many times that we're going to have to make a decision that ticks people off because we want to serve God well. And if you've never made any decision like that, like which Jesus are you serving? Now, I'm not saying do it all the time. I'm not saying, well, I'm just ticking people off for Jesus. Mike, that's not what I said. <laughs> Pastor said not to please people today, so I'm, I really felt I can accept that message. You know, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in those places where you know your stance for Jesus, your stance for God is not going to make you popular, in those places, stand with Christ. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I, I know this isn't going to make me popular. I know you're, you're not going to like this because when a gospel is distorted, it usually is distorted in such a way that the broken parts in our hearts like that. Some of us, we don't, and I'm not saying, I'm not pointing anybody in particular in this room, but some of us have a hard time with the fact that we can't say not there to be something to do. In fact, I'm going to put it a lot of times on, on the guys in the room, because most of the guys I know, and ladies too, I guess, but I know the guys that I know, like we want to be able to fix things. Just tell me what to do, like I, what do I need to do to fix it, to make it right? And it's really a hard thing to digest that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. That we're helpless. Nobody in here, I think, like really likes to feel helpless. But as far as salvation goes, there's no help in ourselves. There's only help in Christ. Verse 11. He says, I want you to, I would have you to know, brothers, 
that the gospel preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the visit he had on the road to Damascus when Jesus himself showed up and straightened him out. Verse 13, he says, You heard about my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently. He was violent in his opposition to the church. And he tried to destroy it. Verse 14, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my, of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. If anybody did Judaism correctly, it was Paul. But it still didn't bring him peace. And there definitely was no grace. Verse 15 is interesting. He says, but when he set me apart before I was born, and he called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to the apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Verse 15, though, that that's, it says, He set me apart before I was born, and he called me by his grace. It's, to me, it's, there, there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of wonder on, on, on the mechanics of how this works. But I can tell you something. Like If you're a believer in Jesus and if you've, you've put your faith in him, just know that God's plan was in place before you were even born. It doesn't depend anything on you. It depends on his grace and on his mercy. And at some point, he's called you by his grace. When, when you didn't deserve it, when you didn't earn it. In fact, Paul's the example. If there was anybody in the Bible that like, we could have been like, hey, I know why God killed that guy. It was Paul. If you're violently persecuting the churches... It would have made sense, and Paul, like the whole chapter could have been shorter. And Paul went to kill the Christians and imprison them, so God killed him. Chapter 10. <laughs> but that's not, that's not what he did, and it doesn't depend on you. See, not only can you not do anything, but you never could. And you never have. It's by his grace undeserved favor that he was pleased verse 16 pleased see God is pleased to reveal his son to you he has an answer and it's Jesus verse 18 as we finish up this chapter it says then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. That was Peter, his Aramaic name. And he remained with him 15 days. 
and I saw none of the other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. But I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown by person to the churches of Judea. They were only hearing, verse 23, that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. See, I don't know what the beginning part of your life story is, but I would hope that this is the end of all of our lives. That people could glorify God because of the work that God's done in us. That they could point to us and say, like, legitimately, well, if God could save that person, if God could change that person, then he must be real. I'm looking at you, Mike. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I make a joke, but it doesn't mean it's not true. In fact, I can say that to Mike, but really that's true about all of us. I just know Mike's not going to get offended. You can add nothing to the gospel. The gospel is complete. The work of Jesus is enough. All we can do is trust in the gospel. And somehow, that's enough. Somehow the gospel is powerful enough to change and to save and to deliver us from this present evil age. Father God, I thank you for the ability to read your word. I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you that he died in our place. We thank you that he was buried. And we thank you that three days later, you raised him up. And we thank you that in Christ, our sin is taken care of. In Christ, our sin is taken care of. And we thank you for new life. We thank you for your grace and for your work in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, church? Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>